Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now, it's Gabe time. Gabe Kuhn. Gabe Kuhn was one of the great little trivial nuggets in all football bios. His grandfather was the inventor of the Easy Bake Oven. Like a boss. The best lineman on the radio. Well, the only lineman on the radio. It's Gabe time. Game time. We're ready. The Gabe Kuhn Show. 92.9 FM ESPN. How about it? Welcome in Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. It's time for the Gabe Kuhn Show. I am your host, former Memphis Tiger offensive lineman Gabe Kuhn on X at G underscore Kuhn 71. I'm alongside the executive producer of the Gabe Kuhn Show. That would be Connor Dunning on X at C Dunning 929. Connor, how's it going? Hello. Hello. How's it going? I'm all right. That was that was the question. I'm doing You're great. doing okay? I'm doing okay. So... I have to ask you. I'm, I'm bringing something to the. Oh gosh. Um, okay. Your house was the host of a bunko. Yeah. A bunko party get together, wife and yeah. friends. My I, wife uh, has a bunko group, and once a month they all get together, and it, it seemed like a ton of fun. We hosted last night. Yes. It, it was fantastic. Cat did a wonderful job hosting and right. setting up the games and cooking for everybody. She made just amazing spaghetti. Um, but yeah, get to the question. I know what you're going to ask. Have, I have bunko. I have bunko next Monday at my house. What what can I expect? Oh, it's being hidden away. I was hidden away at yeah. war, of course, in Helldivers yeah. too. That's what I did yes. the entire time, um, and drinking a lot of wine. Okay, it was fun. It's a good time. I had a great okay. time. A little cab. What, what, what are you? Red wine, white wine guy. Oh, Pinot. I'm a Pinot. Pinot guy. guy. Okay. Pinot gotcha. guy. Good to hear. Good to hear. But I, I need Mark to know. West. I need to know what to expect coming up next Monday. It was a great time. And what's up with the bunko groups? I, I don't know. I thought that was an older, older, older woman. I don't know. That is, it, it, it exploded onto the scene. I think with uh... the way I understand it, it is groups of four. Yes, groups of four. Yeah. I don't really know the game. Yeah, they were split up into because we have kind of three different sitting areas in our room, and they right. were split up into the into those in groups. I have no idea how the actual game works. Do they, do was, they let go of a loud, like, Bunko! Yeah, when no, they have Bunko. They're, they're, they're letting it fly every okay. time they hit Bunko, I guess, whatever that means. And uh, <laughs> my favorite part of the entire night, though, is I didn't realize that they were playing for cash. And oh. uh, I walked out and just this, saw this a giant ca- bucket. And I was like, is, oh, my God. It's kind of a ladies' poker night, isn't it? it it's that's a, what that's it is. exactly what it was. It was. It seemed like a great time. And uh, maybe we should start our own uh, bunko night. I think I think for 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 men, it's mostly Fortnite. just poker. It's <laughs> just oh, Fortnite. Fortnite and hell divers. <laughs> well, or or just poker. Shout out to the Hold people em. who who joined the war that messaged me on Twitter asking what the game was. Really, welcome people, to the war. Welcome it? to the resistance. Okay. 
I couldn't download it. I know that was so, that was very tragic. I yeah. forgot you were an Xbox guy. Yeah, Xbox guy. I need to update my Xbox too. I got the old one. I got the old. I got the OG brother. Not that big of a gamer. Need to need to update my uh, my gaming devices. But regardless, three hours of talk on the way, courtesy of ninety two nine FM ESPN and yours truly. Now we are at a point in the sports calendar where obviously we have no. Um, NBA basketball, at least in this city, till Friday because it's the All-Star break. Uh, Tigers, of course, are going to play here soon, but we know that it's sort of slowed down. The chances of an at-large bid are, are very low. No football. We just have some off-season conversations, franchise tag. We have people in spring training for Major League Baseball, so it's a fairly slow time. But I'll say this, Connor. Penny gives back. Penny gives back in a slow sports time, doesn't he? Finds a way. He was at his radio show uh, last night over at Brookhaven, and he uh, he put out some pretty pointed quotes that we're going to talk off the top about. And uh, I think uh, the way Giannato and Jeffrey put it, the greatest hits, I think that's pretty fair. These were the Penny Hardaway greatest hits. We'll talk about those in just a moment. We also have a new college football playoff criteria. It's the five and seven, five uh, of the uh, highest-ranked conference champions, and then seven at largest. I'll talk through all of that scheduling and everything else. Uh, and then as far as guests are concerned, Jeff Calkins will join at 5 o'clock from the Daily Memphian of the Jeff Calkins Show, 6 o'clock. Christian Fowler from Bluff City Media, as is customary on a Tuesday, and he's also from the On the Bluff podcast with me that releases every single Tuesday at noon. Then we'll hop into the Blitz where we have J.J. Redick and uh, Doc Rivers beef that is sort of surfacing at this moment. J.J. Redick says he dodges accountability. And uh, it looks like a couple of uh, couple of people are coming to Doc's defense, one being his son, Austin Rivers, and the other one being Pat Bev, who plays on his team right this second. Then also, uh, within the Blitz, we're going to have to talk about uh, Dak Prescott and a potential contract extension worth uh, a lot of money. Have you, have you seen this? Have you seen this, Connor? I certainly have. $60 million is what uh, Jordan Schultz, NFL insider for Bleacher Report, is... Uh, is estimating it at. You can play a lot of Bunko with that. <laughs> you can play a hell of a lot of Bunko with that. There's no doubt about it. But um, I want to open on Penny's quotes. Here we go. Um, I, I'll get to what he said about criticism at this point. We know the last week in Tiger basketball history and in the season has been one of the most embarrassing weeks that we've seen in a long time, maybe outside of Tubby Smith and his era. Um, but you had two losses where you lost by 37 combined points, 27, 27 points when you were at SMU on Sunday, and it was just a, a complete letting go of the rope by every player on the floor. And I thought Penny Hardaway uh, was very frustrated by that, and he definitely aired his frustrations on his radio show. Now, he started with his rotations. I want to start with what he said about his rotations. Quote, the guys that are going to play now, they have to have a care factor for the city and the school. Right now, we want to go to war. And then he went on to say, when you see the guys who are on the floor Wednesday, and tell me if you've heard this before, Connor. When you see the guys that are on the floor Wednesday, those are the guys that are bought in. I've heard that before, right? Remember after the few losses in a row, you got to before that Rice game. You got to before that Rice game. And Penny Hardaway, the quote was, let me go ahead and find this really quick. The quote from Penny Hardaway was, I don't know who's going to start on Wednesday, but you best believe the five that are going to be out there are going to fight. Very, very similar quote, very pointed quote at his players saying, you know, guys like Javon Quinterly who seem to let go of the rope, maybe they won't play as much. Now, first time around, before Rice, he ended up starting Jaquan Walton and a bunch of other guys. You know, Jonathan Pierre got a start in that game, didn't have a natural point guard in, and he substituted Javon Quinterly and Nick Jordan in in about three minutes and five seconds. And what happened in that game after 
He said that he's going to play the guys that are going to fight. They lost their worst game of the year, arguably, outside of that SMU loss because of the deficit that they had in that one. They lost to Rice, one of the worst teams in conference in college basketball, really, 74-71. to So I've heard this before, and it did not yield the results that he wanted. Even if you have guys that are out there to fight, even if you have guys that are really bought in, it does not mean that they're going to fit well together on the floor. And that is terrifying because I have a feeling that this lineup that he trots out coming up against Charlotte, I have a feeling it's going to be one for the ages. Don't you? Absolutely. (laughs) It's going to be something to behold. But we will see what it looks like. When we get there. Now, he went on to say about his rotations, people get up in arms about how many guys I play. Well, the six or seven guys that are in the rotation usually are the guys that aren't rebounding and aren't really the best defenders. So now you've got to choose offense or defense. Now, we know that Penny Hardaway in his past, it's defense. That's what he's tried to uh, make the, the calling card of this program. And through five years, I thought he did a really good job of that. This year, that has fallen off the face of the earth because you brought in a lot of guys and the transfer portal that are very offensively inclined, theoretically, and not a lot of them are very communicative on the defensive end. They're not very good on the defensive end. They don't want to give the effort on the defensive end. So this goes back to what we've been talking about for quite a while, Connor, square peg in a round hole. Um, He wants to aim to defense and rebounding, but the truth of the matter is you're picking the wrong one when you go with defense with this particular team. This team needs to be focusing on the offensive end consistently. They need to have more sets run for them because defensively, regardless of what you've put in at practice, regardless if you have a week of intense practice like he had earlier in the year when he had a week off um, you know, uh, between Wichita State and South Florida, regardless of what you do, it seems like this team's not going to get it defensively. So at some point, you have to come to terms with the fact that offense is where you're going to win games with this team. That's what we've seen all year. They won a game in, off, uh, in overtime against UTSA where they scored 107 points. They're an offensively inclined team. They're not necessarily the most efficient offensive team. But defensively, they have completely fallen short of the mark, and nothing has changed that, especially since Caleb Mills went out of the lineup. So when you're talking about choosing offense or defense, Connor, I'm just going to pose this to you. Which side do you, which, where, where, do you, where do you choose? What would you choose considering what you've seen from this team? You got to go offense, right? Yeah. That's the only option here. We talked about it yesterday. This team has shown the ability just to be able to outscore other teams. I mean, we saw it in that Wichita State game where they put up, I think, 112 points. It was a high-scoring game, but that is how this team has been successful this year because they do not have the personnel to run Penny Hardaway's defense anymore. That's just that's just the truth that's of right. the matter. As soon as they lost Caleb Mills, he talked about it. As soon as they lost Caleb Mills, they lost all of their ability to de- defend the perimeter at all. And now that that is gone, you have just got to outscore people. That has got to be the game plan right now. Stop trying to lock down on defense. You're putting your team in a hole, and it's it's making their energy completely disappear. Use all of the energy that they may have on the offensive end of the basketball. Just just go. Just run, 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 run. That's what they've got to do right now. Yeah, they're, they're, we're just at a point, and I talked about this yesterday, when you're, when you're trying to find personnel in the offseason, we could revisit this in the offseason. You can find different guys that are dogs that, that, that can defensively do what you want them to do. But for the rest of this year, with the personnel you have, 
It has become increasingly clear, and it is abundantly clear at this point, that defensively, all the things you do, try to press in the front court, try to put pressure on the ball all the time, they can't do that and then close out. They overhelp, they don't communicate well enough, and it's frustrating to watch. You don't need to overextend the defense. We saw that in the North Texas game. The game plan did not work defensively. You tried to speed up that team because they're sort of Houston light, if you will. They're Houston, you know, the, the, the worst version of Houston where they're going to slow it down, they're going to play really good defense, and they're going to try to bother you. You tried to speed them up. It didn't work because this team does not have the personnel to go make that happen, and you continue to try to do that. At some point, you have to decide, okay, let's fall back. Let's try to play good half-court defense, and let's go on the offensive, use our offense to try to outscore this team. And we have not seen him be able to do that. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky. Talked about his criticism. And we, I mean, we've heard something like this in the past, some iteration of it, but I thought it was a little bit more pointed yesterday. He started by saying, quote, I knew when I got this job that I was going to be a target. I get a lot of negativity. We win 10 games and lose one. It's going to be the worst loss in the world. I'll start there, and then I'll get to the second part here in just a moment. But I knew when I got this job that I was going to be a target. I get a lot of negativity. We win 10 games and lose one. It's going to be the worst loss in the world. I think that Penny Hardaway is a target. I'm not going to deny what he's saying. I think... From the national media and the national perspective, he has been a target. He was a guy who skipped steps in a lot of these coaches' minds and analysts' minds. He's a guy who went straight from AAU and high school coaching directly to a decent job, a good job at the University of Memphis. And he replaced who a lot of people hold in high regard with Tubby Smith. And people were very frustrated with how it went with Tubby Smith. They felt he was disrespected by the university. I think that nationally that's the view of how all this went down. I think he's always been a target nationally. I want to start there because I think what he's saying is very fair. As soon as there's any type of misstep with Penny Hardaway coach teams, the national media, the Jeff Goodmans of the world, the Seth Seth Greenbergs of the world, they seem to pile on. They go after him and they talk about his X's and O's. They don't think he is good enough in that regard yet. Now, he's proved them wrong in multiple steps. I mean, he made two NCAA tournaments in a row. They were quiet for a while, but this year has brought them back out, and they are louder than ever because it's year six, and we're talking about one win in the NCAA tournament and only two times in the NCAA tournament. So I'll say this. Nationally, most people agree with me, he has been a target, and that is fully fair to say. Now, I want to break this down locally. I don't think that's the case. I really don't. I know there's some people that are you know, diehard Penny Hardaway fans, and I, I consider my, myself one of those for the most part, I feel as if those people out there feel like he's unfairly treated by the local media because you talk about lineups and you talk about rotations and you, know, you, you, you pick apart, uh, you, know, you know, criticize those things, and you talk about his game plans and you go after him. That's what happens, though. When you're at a high-level program, when you are losing ball games, six of the last nine, people are going to criticize. That's just how it works. That's the job that I'm in. That's the job that Connor's in. That's the co- job that Jeffrey Wright's in. That's the job that Mark Giannato's in. When someone loses six of nine and was a top ten team at one point, the criticisms have to come out. You have to get to the root cause of everything. I don't view what has happened in the past month and a half to two months or really over the tenure of Penny Hardaway's, uh, you know, career here in Memphis. 
I don't view any of that as negativity. I don't view that as, as him being a target. You have a team that a lot of people follow, that a lot of people want answers for, and you try to give answers. That's not negativity. That's not target. And it's frustrating to see it put that way. Because there's a lot of times where, because Penny Hardaway is Penny Hardaway, he's treated differently, and I don't, I don't regret that. In the past, there's kid gloves being used with him because he's a legend in this city. That's how it works. But at some point, you do have to be real with yourself. You can't paint everything as positive. You've lost six of the last nine games. At one point, you thought you are going to be a four, five, six seed. Now you're out of the tournament altogether unless you make a miraculous run in the American Athletic Conference tournament. You had high hopes for this team with all this talent, and it's all gone awry. You can't paint that positively. There's no way to paint it positively. I think the local media has been overly fair, though, through six years. And I know there's some people that will completely you know, nullify that point and try to say that he's been unfairly treated, but that's not the case. That's not reality. Reality is, I said it yesterday, Connor may disagree with us a tad bit, reality is, based on projections and expectations of number one recruiting classes and transfer portal recruiting classes, he has underachieved five or six years. And with that, you have to give reasons as to why that's happening. That doesn't make you a target of negativity. That is someone trying to be real about the situation that's been presented to them. And I just find it frustrating that Penny Hardaway feels as if he's a target on the local scene when it comes to media. I just wish he would start talking about the actual issues on the team. Because at the end of the day, I agree with pretty much everything that you just said. Um, The 10 win quote really bothered me because they didn't just win 10 games in a row and lose one. No. They've lost six of the last nine games to inferior competition and it's not really close. One of those losses came against Rice at home. When they won 10 in a row and then lost one, all of us were saying, oh, they're going to be fine. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They can write this. They lost one. They'll be fine. The, the, The emotional low... Of the, of the conference schedule coming off of the non-con. They were playing with fire. It yeah. caught up to them. Yeah. Oh, those net numbers. That's not too... Don't worry about that. Just keep winning. Keep winning. Keep winning. <laughs> we have to talk about this team, though, and be truthful about it. And the Penny Hardaway coaching job as well. You the have last to be real about it. three weeks of this team have been chaotic, and it has felt a bit like a free fall. It has. You stabilized it for a moment with those three wins. And then everything fell apart against North Texas, and then it exploded against SMU. Yep. We're not talking about one loss, Penny. We're talking about six losses in your last nine games when your team was top ten a month ago. We've got to talk about what went wrong. Accountability needs to be taken. It does. I understand that this is the team Penny may not have 100% wanted because it's transfer guys, things like that. But this is the team that you have, and it's an extremely talented one. And at the end of the day, I don't want to keep hearing about this perfect game plan not being executed by them when everybody that's watching the game understands and knows that Penny likes to run defense to offense. This team doesn't have the ability to do that. So at what point is your game plan flawed when it doesn't Prop up your players. It doesn't put them into position to be successful 
At what point does that mean that the game plan when, is flawed? When people's hearts or emotions are in something, when people see Penny Hardaway and the celebrity's been and the philanthropy he's brought back to the University of Memphis and, and the type of guy he's been to young men in the universe or in, in the Memphis orbit in general, uh, whether it be the AAU circuit at Memphis East, people definitely have some emotions about that. And I think Penny Hardaway is a good guy. But when it ta- when we're talking about a results driven business and we're talking about what he's done at the University of Memphis as the basketball coach through six years, and, and particularly this year, I think people blur the lines of negativity and they think that uh, reality, being what it is, losing six of the last nine games becomes negativity. No, it's reality. It's where we're at. The situation is dire. We're in a very, very peculiar spot right now. Where you're looking at this team who's 18 and 8, who's likely not going to make the NCAA tournament with all these expectations. They were number 10 in the AP poll at one point. Then you look into the future and you're wondering what the hell is going to happen? Is he going to be able to build this program back up to where he had it the last two years when he's making the NCAA tournament? You can have questions about that. That's reality. That's not negativity. I think most people in this city want to see Penny turn it around. They want to see Penny be the the leader that he has been the last two years. They want to see this team get to the second week, and they want to see this team reach the heights that it's capable of reaching, that we've seen it's capable of reaching. But sometimes criticism and construct... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Of criticism is something that can lead to that. It's something that can help a coach get over top. And I don't necessarily see the accountability that I want to see from Penny Hardaway right now to see those changes actually get into motion. And what you were talking about, and this was the quote that everyone's talking about, I'm telling you, I got sent this quote uh, no less than 20 times. My phone is, is physically heavier from how many times I got sent this damn quote last night from people that listen to the show and from friends that are big fans of Memphis basketball. He said, quote, I put us in position to win every single night. I can't get out on the court and play as well. And that's the end of the quote. That's not accountability, guys. That's not. At some point, you have to look yourself in the mirror and understand what your team is capable of and what they're not. 
He has continually run this defensive scheme, tried to, you know, uh, stake his claim that way, tried to build the culture on the defensive side of the ball, and this team's not capable of it. And if you want to say I put us in position to win every single night and my plans are great, I just want to rewind earlier last week to the North Texas game. What did Jason Edwards, who scored 30 points on 7 for 9 from 3, they were 15 for 26 from 3 as a team, what did he say after the game when he was asked about being so wide open? He said that Coach Hodge, Ross Hodge, the new coach at North Texas, said don't be surprised when you're wide open. You will get open looks against this particular team. That's telling in itself. That tells you that they're watching film. They understand what he's going to do to them. They understand what the plan is going to be for Memphis to try to speed them up, and they know they're going to get open looks and be able to execute on the offensive end based on the plan that Penny is giving them. So, no, I reject that thought that every single night you put out the best game plan, and that's not a shot against you. Bill Self, Coach K, all these coaches have nights at the office where they have gotten outcoached and outmaneuvered by an opponent. It's not a shot against you, but at some point you have to take accountability for the fact that no, not every single night do you put together a game plan that is perfect for your team to go win and they just don't execute. Sometimes the plan you put together does not give your team the best chance. And every coach in their career has had games like that. But that right there, I've talked about two options heading into this offseason, right? He either changes his thought process as a coach, looks in the mirror, and says, depending on the personnel I bring in, I'm going to decide how I'm going to run my scheme. We're going to run different schemes to make our players fit into roles that are nice. Or he can go into the offseason and recruit guys to fit his scheme, which I think is more likely based on that quote. But at some point, you do have to look in the mirror and understand that that quote on surface level, just even on surface level, is an untrue quote. You can't just throw guys under the bus, throw your team under the bus, and say they don't execute. When in reality, I think the last couple of games, the last you know, the last nine games where you've lost six have shown us that not every night are guys in the best position. Is your team in the best position to win because of your plan? There just has to be an understanding of that, and I don't see that. Right, and I think you, you touched on a really good point there. The, the game plan in and of itself is not flawed. I understand that logic. I get what he's trying to say. This defense that I have run the last six years has been mostly elite. It yes. has been. We've yep. seen it. But you have to have the right personnel. And that's why I understand that, that it has worked in the past, and it has worked very well in the past. I think Penny is an excellent defensive coach. I really do. Yes. This team just simply does not have the ability to run it at the end of the day. Now, you could say that's the player's fault. You could say that that's Penny's fault for putting this team together. All, both can be true. But this offseason, you've got to go find guys. If you want to run this defense, and this is how it's going to be, go find the guys that can run it. Yes, That's how you have to do this. And again, I understand that some of the guys he may have gone after didn't end up transferring here, and he had to go off after the offensive-minded guys. I get that. But you cannot blame them. And just say over and over and over again, it's perfect, it's perfect, it's perfect, they're not executing. Like you said, you're trying to put a square into a circle mm-hmm. when you were doing that. Set this team up for success. So It's offense with this team. We've seen it over and over. Their best games 
are when they are playing offense at a high level and they're just kind of letting the other team score a lot. <laughs> it's, it's like, go look at their scores. Like, they let the other team score quite a bit. Yes. But they can just outscore them because they have the talent to do that. And when your coach is throwing you under the bus and radio shows and every comment he makes, we talk about the players' energies. It makes it difficult to show up and there's, have that energy when you know if I make a mistake, I'm getting thrown under the bus. There's two different things, right? One would be you didn't have a good game plan. You had a flawed game plan. The other thing is I didn't hold the guys accountable enough to run that game plan. But still, where does the accountability fall on? You as a coach. You have to take that upon yourself. At some point, you have to understand that regardless of your personnel, if they're not following the game plan, was the game plan good enough? Did you let them understand how important the game plan was? Again, at the end of the day, the accountability, the buck gets passed to the guy who is the top dog of the program. And I just want to see that accountability taken. Yeah. And I didn't see that last night, and it's frustrating. Now, elsewhere, though, did you see Rick Patino? <laughs> I did. Can I say one more, one go more ahead, quick go thing, ahead, though? Go ahead, go ahead. There is good news, bad news here, though. Right. I'll give you the bad news first. The bad news is this season. The rest of the season, it feels like we know how it's going to play out. It would be more than surprising if they made a miraculous run right now with how things look, and they make the NCAA tournament. This season has been... Poor down the stretch. It has not been fun. We know that. Good news is you kind of get to reshuffle the deck next year, this offseason. Go find the right guys for your team. Yep. Show some accountability. This season can be a lesson of the transfer yes, portal. It can. Learn stuff from it. Look at this season and say, what, what went wrong? What did I do wrong? What did the players do wrong? What did we do wrong as a program? How can we switch things up to avoid this happening again? That is what you hope happens. The fear is that that won't happen. And I can't lie. These comments, it makes that fear stay present. Yes, it does. Because if he was taking accountability, you would say, I think at least he learned from it. At least this program has. And it's not just Penny. I understand it's the whole program. He potentially learned from it. But if you can take lessons from this season and apply them to the offseason – and to the team next year, that could be a positive thing. That could bode well and moving forward. Here, here but is, I don't. I'm just. I. It's unclear if that's going to happen. But here's the scary reality of even reshuffling the deck and finding seven or more new players, good players, right? This offseason in the transfer portal or in high school ranks, there are eight teams, high major teams, that brought seven or more transfers in. That would be Arkansas, NC State, Arizona, Memphis, UCF, West Virginia, Penn State, and then I'll get to Rick Pitino in a second, but St. John's, who 14 and 12, they got hammered on Sunday against Seton Hall. You know what they all have in common? They have to win their tournament, their conference tournament, to go dancing this year. That's more bad news. You can try to reshuffle the deck all you want, but the results of this year, when you're just having a transfer portal-led team, and you're not building a program up and having these three- or four-year guys, which I know is harder in today's day and age, but you have to effort it. The results are showing us that as much as you think the transfer portal can help you for one year or two years, it doesn't help you as much as you think it does. I think the blueprint for Penny Hardaway should be last year's team. I know that they lost in the first round to FAU. I know that. 
But it was a combination of transfer guys and guys who had been here for a few years, and they understood Memphis through and through. Yeah. And they could play his defense. Yeah, you had Alex Lomax, you had DeAndre Williams, you had Jaden Hardaway. You had guys that understood it that were holdovers. And, you know, I know I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody when I talked about continuity this offseason and we, how it didn't guilty. matter. Yeah. I'm guilty of it. We looked at the talent But win. the truth Whee! of the matter is you need continuity. You need continuity. How you've always won in college basketball is having a program that's built. These guys go out. They go out on a high note. They left a good example for the guys that are coming behind them. That's still the, t- the ticket to go win in college basketball. See it at UConn with Danny Hurley. It took him a while to build it up because he brought some guys in from the high school ranks. Then he got some transfers. It's a mix of guys that understand your culture and understand what you're trying to get through, understand your identity. Right. And, and I don't see that with this team, and I don't know of a way forward where you're going to find that. Now, Penny Hardaway has all – I mean, he's got time – and he's got uh, opportunity out there. He will have opportunity. He can change that around, but we're just going to have to see it. Right. It, it's We were all wrong. We we all jumped on the talent train and said, wow, look at that team. It is going to be a high-powered offense. And we had the idea that, you know, Penny's defense is always good, so that's going to be there. And then when like we were on that train, and then Caleb Mills' injury happened, and the train tracks blew up. Yep. And here we are. Yep. Now, uh, St. John's was that last, that one of the high major teams I mentioned that had seven or more transfers that will not be dancing this year in all likelihood. Um, you saw him on Sunday, right? You saw what he had to say. They I, lost I to Seton Hall on Sunday, <laughs> and he was just, he unloaded on his team. I mean, I, listen, I've gone after Penny Hardaway for what he has said at his radio show and his post-game remarks. Rick Pitino took it to a different level. Um, he said, look. Talking about Joel Soriano, the guy, the leading scorer on his team, one of his best players. Joel's slow laterally. He's not fast on the court. Chris Ledlam is slow laterally. Sean Conway is slow laterally. Brady is physically weak. Drissa is slow laterally. Talking about all his names, just naming his guys and saying their flaws. Uh, Then he goes on to say, after I spent the summer with them, I knew it was going to be a difficult year. I knew it. I'm hoping we could finish uh, over 500 for the season. Um, and he said, it's not the job. You could be at Missouri and recruit slow players. Believe me, it's not St. John's. We had to put together a team at the last second. We will never, ever do that again. He continued to talk about uh, facilities, and he said they have S-word facilities. He said, do we have S-E facilities? Yes, we do, but we're doing something about that. He just continued to go on. And then today, when he talked with the uh, with the press, he said... Quote, I truly wasn't trying to rip anybody. You literally brought up names and ripped them for their their shortcomings. You said a guy was literally weak physically. You said four guys were slow. Of course. Of course you were ripping them and you went after them. Now, again, he, he said also after he wanted the guys to read those quotes and take it upon themselves to find some motivation interior, you know, inner motivation to, to get better in those areas. But at the same time, the only thing when I saw all these quotes, I was like, is he trying to show people, is he trying to make it clear to these guys that he doesn't want them around for much longer? Is he trying to just completely reload the deck going into next year? Cause this is not what you say toward the end of the season when your team's trying to fight their way into the NCAA tournament. These are not the things you say. You don't point out shortcomings by name. I will give Penny Hardaway credit for that. He's never really gone by name and told people that they are bad basketball players because of X, Y, and Z. Rick Patino took it to a whole nother level. But I'll say this about Rick. He's 71 years old. And it's been clear since he got into college basketball coaching, he is not going to mince words. 
He says it how he feels. Do I think how he feels is always reality? No, no. But he will go out of his way to tell you exactly what's on his mind. There's no more coach speak left in him. Just do it behind closed doors. <laughs> I agree. That's, a, that's insane. I, 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 Doing that to college kids in a press conference, that's insane. Can't do that. Can't do it. Just serious question. Has a coach ever calling out a player like this done what they wanted it to? Completely turned around that player in college sports? I don't know. It's I've never... In, in across all sports, I've never been for coaches throwing players under the bus. It drives me insane. We're going to be talking about the champion of it and the blitz. It drives me insane when coaches do it. It's not going to work. Embarrassing a player on national television is not going to make them play better, dude. It's going to tighten them up. Yes. Yes. And you're just exposing them and how you feel to the public. He, say, he said, I good. wanted them to see the quotes. Tell them that behind, in your office – and they they can hear it. You can tell them the quotes while sitting at your yeah. desk. Do it behind closed doors. <laughs> it's insane. It's absolutely hell of a soundbite though. It's absolutely. I will say that. Yes, yes. <laughs> it gives us something to talk about. So shout out to Rick Pitino <laughs> on that. But let's go ahead and grab a break. When we come back, the college football playoff has officially approved a new qualifying criteria for their twelve team playoff. I'll tell you what it is next. I'll give you the schedule, and we'll talk through it when we return on the Gabe Coon Show, ninety two nine FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. So the college football playoff, after weeks of deliberation, months of deliberation even, They finally landed on a revised qualifying criteria for the college football playoff. 12-team playoff headed into next year. It will be the 5-7 format instead of the 6-6 format because of the Pac-12s. Bye-bye. Because it's been dissolved. Um, It will include the five highest-ranked conference champions plus the next seven highest-ranked teams as determined by the selection committee. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The four highest-ranked conference champs will be seeded one through four, and they will receive first-round buys. So that fifth one will be sort of fall in order depending on the college football playoff rankings. Again, the top four highest-ranked will be seeded one through four, so it'll be completely different. It'll feel a little bit different. Um, Now, the the dates for this first round will be December 20th and December 21st quarterfinals, December 31st and January 1st semifinals, January 9th and January 10th, and then 10 days or 11 days later will be the college football playoff national championship that will be on January 20th. Now, I do want to break down what it would have looked like with the 5-7 format if it was this season. The top four um, conference champions would have been Michigan, Texas, Florida State, and Washington in that fourth spot. And then from there on, fifth would be playing 12th at home 
Um, and that would probably, it looks like Arizona versus Liberty. Then you'd have 8 versus 9, Ohio State versus Oregon. 7 versus 10, Georgia versus Mizzou. 6 versus 11 would be Alabama versus Penn State. I, I, the one thing about the new 12-team format that I'm really going to enjoy is the fact that we're going to have home games. And I've, I've talked about this on several occasions. Um, I know that there's been big games at a lot of these, you know, Power Five, these teams at the top of college football. There's been some big games on campus. We know that the Ohio State-Michigan game is massive every single year. But it could be argued that these will be some of the biggest games you'll ever see on those campuses because you're playing for a national championship. And I like to see that the home crowd will actually mean something in those games. If you get a higher seed, you get home field advantage. It's very similar to what we see in the NFL. And I know there's a lot of people that sort of deny that you want to move into the NFL's type of structure, but I think that that is one of the big positives out of this. Now, I do like the fact that... Even though the Big Ten and the SEC, if they had it their way, if they were being completely honest with you, they'd want the 12 highest-ranked teams in the country. They'd want the top 12. They wouldn't worry about conference championships and auto bids. But they still have decided, because of what we have seen, because of what the 6-6 model was supposed to be, they still want to have inclusion of the smaller guy. They still want the Liberties, the Memphises. The Boise States, those teams, they still want them to have access to potentially win a national championship. Now, them getting over top of a lot of these uh, these these powerhouses, very unlikely. There's not a lot of accidents, if you will, or upsets in college football when you get to that high level of a situation. People try to compare it to basketball. It's not even close to the same thing. You get hot in basketball from the three-point line. Everything changes around. But if you are more physically dominant than another team in, in college football, you usually win the damn game. But I do like that they stayed with the 5-7 model. They, they favored inclusion here. Uh, we'll see what it looks like in the next few years with the Big Ten and the SEC and their advisory board and a potential breakoff entity from the NCAA. But for right now, I appreciate the fact that they're sticking with the 5-7 model for inclusion's sake. So what does this mean for Memphis? This means for Memphis they could potentially be that fifth conference winner. This definitely means that. Now next year they're going to have to deal with Florida State, and that's going to be tough on the road. But I think, you know, when you when you talk about winning the AAC, the AAC always gets relatively preferential treatment when you get to the college football playoff rankings. They liked SMU. They liked Cincinnati. They, Cincinnati was the only team that ever got into the actual four-team playoff from a, uh, a non-Power 5 conference. So um, this means good things for Memphis because the AAC still seems to have that preferential look. Now the Mountain West, now that they have a scheduling alliance with those last two teams left in the Pac-12 – Maybe they view it a little bit differently because Oregon State and Washington State could certainly sway their thought process. If you are a Mountain West team and you potentially beat one of those teams, they may still view that as a Power 5 win. But at the same time, I uh, I think this bodes well for anybody in the AAC if you get through ultimately and win. The two lanes of the world, you should feel good about yourself. UTSA should feel good about themselves. Memphis, of course, should feel good about themselves. Without a, a game being played, it, it does feel like the closest Memphis has been to the college football playoff is this moment. So now, hopefully, next season they can come out and execute and and give us the season that that we expect from them. So I've been having conversations with people off air. Next year is such an interesting year. It is. For Ryan and that program. Because they've done a really good job this offseason. They've brought back some uh, legends in the program. Lou Esposito. You have Reggie Howard coming back. Uh, Curtis Akins, one of the guys I played with who was a linebacker, is coming back as a GA. You're bringing in some guys, creating that culture. You now have a GM. You've done really good on the transfer portal. So you feel good about what the team is. But 
If you don't live up to expectations, the fire Ryan things come back. If you do live up to expectations and potentially put yourself in the college football playoff conversation, Ryan's going to be wanted for other jobs. Right? There's two different ways that this could go. There's polls that it could, you know, reach, and and I, I think either one is very interesting. It's a very interesting season coming up for this team. Right. The, the, the truth of the matter is that the University of Memphis won 10 games, in a, and the schedule was still to people a bit disappointing, but there is an opportunity next year, and with that opportunity comes high expectations from the fan base and everybody watching Memphis football, and I think that they're fair. I think that those expectations being high is fair, so it's going to be a challenge for them to have to meet. They have got to live up to the hype of this Memphis football team. Coming off of a 10-win season, you've got a better schedule next year. You have an opportunity to maybe sneak into the college football playoff. All of those things are going to have to be discussed. You want to talk about you know, criticism of like locally, it will come if they are not up to snuff next year. It, I promise you right now, we will be talking about them if they are not playing at the level that we expect them to. Because it's laid out perfectly for right. you. You have your quarterback. You have the weapons still in place and Amir Blankemsey and Rock Taylor. Job. You have a running back that you just brought from South Carolina who was wanted by Oklahoma and by USC and Mario Anderson Jr. Everything's in place. The O-line has to show that they're, they're good, but they've gotten some guys in the transfer portal there. You have a new defensive coordinator who held Iowa State to four or to zero yards rushing in, in the uh, in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. And then when you look at the conference right now, SMU's out. They were at the top of the conference, won the conference last year. Tulane has a new coach. UTSA has to move on from Frank Harris Jr. South Florida's a kind of uh, interesting one. They get, got back to a bowl game and won a bowl game for the first time since 2017 last year with Alex Golish. They could be on the up and up. But everything points. When you just look around the conference, everything points to Memphis being at the tip top. And I would imagine, just generally speaking, after a 10-win season, what they did in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, they are likely, and I think Tulane will obviously get some votes um, because I think they did replace Willie Fritz with a good coach. Um, I I would imagine that just generally speaking, you're going to look at Memphis being the preseason vote to win the conference, to win the American Athletic Conference. And that is completely different than what we we thought in the offseason last year. It's completely different and, than what and, we thought four weeks into the and, year. And, and let's think about this, too. Considering the way that the basketball program has sputtered around, who knew that sort of the high point of Memphis athletics would be a 10-3 and three season run by Ryan Silverfield? Who knew that? Nobody could have predicted that. No one was willing to predict that. There were fire Ryan chants and thoughts out there. If if during the, the football season last year, before they got the 10 wins and everything, when it looked like a moment where it could get rocky, if you had gone up to Memphis Tigers fans and you said, hey, guess what? During basketball season in late February, we're going to be talking about how the football team was better than the basketball team. They'd be like, what the hell happened? They'd say F off. They'd be like, what the You're hell happened? You're a liar. You're an idiot. Stop. Stop. Fake news. They'd probably punch you and run away. Yes. But they're likely going to be voted by the media, the preseason favorite to win the conference. And like I said, the schedule is going to break for them in a way. If they can get past Florida State, oh, that would be massive. But even if they don't, the schedule is going to break for them because of all the realignment. They have a real opportunity to win this conference, and that would be massive. And it does feel like a fair expectation for this team, considering what we saw last season, what we've seen this offseason, who they were able to keep and bring into this program. It's exciting. It's exciting. But with that excitement, does bring expectation. Now, I do think there's something to be said about 
yeah, you lose to Florida State. I mean, if you're if you're if you have college football playoff aspirations, I don't know if you can take one more loss. I don't know if because you're going to have the James Madisons of the world, the App States of the world to compete with. Teams in the Mountain West, Boise State, seemingly can get back up there. Once they fired their coach, they were a better team. They ended up winning the conference. So, like, I mean, you still have to, you know, even if you lose to Florida State, you seemingly would have to no, come absolutely. close to running the table. No, if no, not running the table, no doubt to get to the college that, football. That's playoff. that's that's exactly what I meant. That's exactly yeah. what I meant. It's it's you. If you can beat Florida State, that's massive. But if you don't, you have to run the table. If yeah, you want to get into that's not a small playoff. feat. Yeah, it's not. not a small it certainly is not. Yeah, and we've seen even with that team last year who won ten games, it was a struggle at North Texas. They let them back in the game. It was a struggle. What is up all with North Texas, man? Would y'all get the hell out of here, <laughs> please? Who knows, man? But I, I weirdly enough, I mean, if I look at this, this, you know, what what it could be next year, I would sort of put Tulane and South Florida as probably the biggest threats. You've been talking about Probably South Florida. The biggest. Well, I mean, the truth of the matter is, I'm not. Let's leave out basketball. They're doing great in basketball right now, and I'm kind of leaning to the AAC potentially being a one bid league if Florida Atlantic sort of struggles down the stretch of the season. But for football's sake, South Florida's recruiting at a high level. They have a really high powered offensive coach. They have found a way to make their their you know campus and everything else their their potential for an on campus. They've made themselves more attractive. For recruits, and if you recruit at a high level, and you have a guy like Alex Golish running it, that thing could get up and running very quickly. In year one, seven and six, winning the first bowl game since 2017, you can't just ignore that. I've seen I've seen a lot of teams come from the gutter very quickly, and two years is not is not out of the realm of possibility. Of but two years, a two year rebuild is not out of the realm of possibility for South Florida. They could be a very tricky team going into next year. Tulane still there, but new coach, new system. You have to. You have to sort of uh, have that as a qualifier, a little bit of nuance there. Here's one thing I can guarantee, though. In NCAA football 25, Memphis will be in the college football playoff. <laughs> okay. It's a guarantee. Right. That's a guarantee. <laughs> I will get them there. Yes. <laughs> Your dynasty mode, they yes. will be in there. Yes. They'll, the they'll, be, they'll be a top four seed. Because if, if you, if you, you're going to do your, your scheduling, you're going to schedule it out and get some top five, listen, top, five top ten teams in there. If it beat falls them. apart next year, next football season, we can stream my games live. Okay. okay, I'll put that out there. <laughs> I got you. Coach Dunning. <laughs> Coach Dunning. Gotta love it. Now let's go ahead and grab a break. When we come back, we have a lot to discuss with Jeff Calkins, including Penny's pointed comments yesterday at his radio show. So we'll do that next right here on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.